0: Well, Elmer said if I don't move around too much, I can use this mic, so I'm glad I don't need to put that on. This evening when I called Dave King to ask if he has some kind of adapter for me so I could use a projector, I called him and he answered and he said, hi, Abigail, and that kind of threw me off. So if I get confused tonight, we'll blame it on Dave. Um, Yeah, our study is on Abigail, someone who was wise and determined Um, There was a group of second graders were asked questions pertaining to their mothers and why they were married and one of the questions was this what did mom need to know about dad before she married him she had to know his background like was he a crook was the one answer I like this one she needed to know did he make at least eight hundred dollars a year another one did he say no to drugs and yes to chores So I don't know who these second graders were. Why did your mom marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world and mom eats a lot of it. (laughs) My grandma says my mom didn't have her thinking cap on. What's the difference between moms and dads? One second grader said mom knows how to talk to teachers without scaring them. Another one was moms are like magic. They make you feel better without medicine. Now, I realize that in the Christian language, you know, we don't want to use the word magic, but I think I knew what, know what the little boy meant. Um, there is something about a mother, about the intuition of a mother, and also a mother's bond between children, the mom and her child. That's something extra, extraordinary, beautiful about that. And there's something even more extraordinary, beautiful about a godly mother, who has that special connection and bond with her children, and also that intuition that the women women have. This evening, I'd like to look at Abigail. She appears to be a God-fearing woman. And you may thank my mother for choosing to talk about a woman this evening. <laughs> I, then I, I decided to look throughout the Bible to see what woman to talk about and Abigail was one I didn't know a whole lot about so I thought that would be interesting her story is found in first Samuel 25 and there's something extraordinary about her Um, it appears in first Samuel 25 that she was not yet a mother she had been married to this man named Nabal and it appears that they may have been married for a couple years it doesn't really say how long they were married but it describes him here in this chapter. And we'll see, we'll read a little bit about Nabal and and we'll see what kind of a man he was and then we'll also see what kind of woman Abigail was. Um, it must have been a difficult burden for her not to be able to have any children at the time, but I think, um, I think, there was a sweet protection of God in all of this, that she didn't have any children, and and I think that God kind of protected her when we learn what kind of marriage she had. Scripture presents her here as a a beautiful, intelligent woman um, whose lot in life was being married to a rich fool. Um... We read a little bit about uh, Nabal here in this chapter, and this whole story kind of unfolds here as we read the first couple verses. It kind of opens up the whole story. Um, Samuel had died; he was a great king in Israel, and David and some of his close associates had really affected them. And it, not only them, it says the entire nation of Israel, the entire nation lamented him and buried him at his house in Ramah. That's in. Twenty-five, verse 1, and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and his name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, But the man was churlish or rude and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now we're hearing about the Caleb, and I guess he was obviously a descendant of Caleb, but he didn't really turn out like Caleb. Um, Scripture, Abigail, the example points to important words of speaking in tense situations here. I think Abigail, will read about her story here a little bit, in a little bit, and she, she was able to intercede and speak life into a situation that wasn't very easy to talk into. Harsh, loud words become catalysts of unnecessary explosion. They drive individuals into actions that they regret later. In contrast, we see how her calm and carefully calculated words led to a peaceful solution. And I thought about the verse in Proverbs 15:1: A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. This evening's study surrounds itself or revolves around the attitudes of and actions of three persons. Um, there we have the one who doesn't hesitate to spout out inflammatory words and has, really has no uh, regard for potential consequences that, of his words. And then we have another of the characters um, who hears the words and in haste decides to retaliate in a manner that would have been devastating. And then we have, fortunately here, we have Abigail standing in between and she understands the entire setting. And she races to bring a peaceful solution. And which will in the long run benefit, be a benefit to her. So as I was reading First Samuel, I kind of had, um, sometimes I would kind of stick up for, actually, I kind of stuck up for Nabal sometimes. I thought, what does he really owe David? I mean, David has this entitlement mentality. And then at other times I did stick up for David. And then, at times, I thought, well, Abigail, she kind of betrayed her husband, didn't she? But I think as we read the lesson, we'll come to understand um, where the story, um, the right understanding of the story, and I'm open for your uh, input. All right, so we have... uh, We have uh, in verses uh, 2... Before we have, or four to nine, we have uh, David's request. David is saying this, And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel, ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, unto thy servants, and to thy son. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal, according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased, and then I think I read. Uh, I'll leave verse ten for later. So we have a determined action here with uh, with David. He was determined to, you know, get some kind of uh, reimbursement, possibly from Nabal, and Nabal was just as determined not to not to repay him. The story here of Abigail is set up in the years when David and his men were fugitives from King Saul. Repeatedly Saul would, would uh, Saul's forces would pursue David, but he su- successfully you know, escaped them every time. On this occasion, David was in the wilderness of Paran, which is located in the southwest part of the Dead Sea. And I think we have a map here. Um, yeah, we have uh, David, David here. Located down here in Paran, and up here is where Samuel died. All Israel had gathered up there. Abel had lived. And so we have a little map there of the geography, and it looks like David would have traveled quite a bit, quite a distance, 140 miles or so, from from uh, Ramah to to the wilderness of Paran. So he had a little hike to go. But anyhow he was in this area and he found himself as a as a fugitive and he was actually protecting Nabal's sheep and his herd and we have Nabal's response here when Na- uh, David wanted some kind of uh, reimbursement or whatever Nabal responded in verse 10 and Nabal answered oh, I don't know what went on there there we go um Nabal's response in verse 10, And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears, and give it unto a man whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto them, unto his men, Gird up ye every man his sword, or as Western cowboys would say, mount up, boys. And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and there went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the the stuff, yeah. So whatever their belongings, they abode there. So we have Nabal's harsh dismissal. And I think, I actually think Nabal probably knew who David was. I think even in Nabal's town, there was a, like a statue of King Saul. I think according to historical records, there was a statue of Saul and he knew who this fugitive was, I think. And I think he was just kind of dismissing him because later on we see that Abigail recognizes who David is. She recognizes him as a future king. So Nabal has a harsh dismissal here for David, and it really demonstrates his true nature. So who is David? And this kind of provides immediate insult for David, like who is he? And he acts like he doesn't even know him. Um, he surely would have known that David was a man who had killed Goliath a number of years ago. Surely he would have heard about that story in 1 Samuel 18, 7. And Nabal's response kind of made it appear like David was a traitor or a rebel of some sort. And that was kind of a slap in the face to David and his messengers. So in view of this betrayal um, of David, Nabal indicates that there is no provision to take care of him or to provide extra, any extra food or anything for him. So Nabal's response infuriates David And he he immediately orders 400 men, it says here, to go after David. So then in 14 through 19, we have Abigail's efforts. But one of the young men told Abigail and Abel's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by day and night, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves, and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on the asses. And she said unto her servants, go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband, Nabal. So she must've had some means. She obviously was had a wealthy husband, but she had servants and she had, she had they had to prep a lot of food for these 400 men in a short time. So she act, obviously had some sort of influence. She was obviously an influential lady in the in, uh, Carmel area. So um, when one of the young men informed Abigail of the events, she took action and I, she seems to understand this crisis. And, and she immediately mounts an effort to avoid the unnecessary catastrophe. It's interesting how the informant, the man that informed Abigail of, of the situation viewed what took place. Um, David's men brought an appropriate greeting to Nabal and he in turn responded with no hint of expected superior hospitality and gratitude. I don't think David expected a whole lot. He just wanted a little bit of maybe a reimbursement but Nabal hurled insults to David, and it's interesting how this one messenger actually saw the whole situation. He was a witness, so his witness was valuable because he told Abigail, and she in turn acted, and it actually saved a lot of bloodshed for what Abigail had done, we'll see later. So Abigail quickly gathers the food, and supplies as a gift for David and his men. Then we have her wise counsel in verses 20 and 22. I think we'll read 20 to 22. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness so that nothing was missing of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So, and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. So David was really, he was in a high, he was pretty high strong, and he was pretty mad, I think. And here, that was, you know, you'd think that probably wasn't a good time for Abigail to meet him, but what did she do? Um, He, well, David really realizes how worthless all, enable, all his deeds were to Nabal, caring for his property. And then he railed insults to David. He seemed to be like a self-centered person, Nabal did. So in, this, in his vengeance, Abigail meets him. And it, it's interesting how the scripture brings out the exact, uh, part of the, or the area where they meet. It was in, like, in a I think in a valley, and they met. met There was when it wasn't like a I don't think a wide open place. They kind of met in a ravine. And it's kind of that's I think that was all orchestrated by God where they met in the ravine. They could have you know how 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 did she know where he was or how did she know like the exact location and everything? But somehow they met here in this ravine. And Abigail's intercession, then, we see in verses 23 to 25. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for his name's sake, For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is the name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. So wisdom, I guess, and determination is evidence in Abigail's actions. This is a make it or break it situation. And if she can persuade David from his intended purpose, there will be a lot of bloodshed spared. So I believe Re- Abigail recognized who David is, and Abigail immediately dismounts from her donkey and offers a bow. She bows before him and in greatest humility. Instead of remaining on her feet, she bowed. And notice her intercession here in these verses. In an attempt to ward off the bloodshed of innocent lives, she asks for her, the blame to be hers. So having nothing to do with what took place, she she asks the blame to be hers. Only after this setting, I believe, uh, we have a st- stage that she asks David to disregard the words and actions of her husband. So what a contrast to Abigail's wise humility and Nabal's foolish pride. Abigail's words in verse 25 uh, indicate that she knew the true nature of her husband. She understands him to be a man of Belial. Um, And and she points out how that his name uh, matches up to his actions. So where is Abigail's submission to her husband? <laughs> what do you think about all of that? It seems almost like she might have portrayed him, but I think she had she saw the big picture possibly. Are there any thoughts on that? takes the blame on herself, yeah. I read somewhere that healthy submission is characterized by loyalty, humility, and consideration, and it seeks the greater good. And I think that was her intent. And I don't see anything here that, you know, that speaks bad about Abigail's actions. Any other thoughts? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and David, David even said too that blessed be the God of Israel he recognized that this was God's doing in verse 32. So we have uh, Abigail's uh, Abigail's uh, courage is rewarded. Damn it, there we go. Abigail's courage is rewarded in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 25, 32-42. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me, and blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would be have, have been left to Nabal. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice and I have accepted thy person. So Abigail's plea begins with an immediate positive response from David. We see instant gratitude in David. First to God and then to Abigail. David recognizes God's hand in the situation. So he obviously changed his mind pretty quick. Just from her humble plea to David. And it's interesting how you know that wisdom, true wisdom, you know, by itself, uh, often requires action. You know, when, when we, she displayed wisdom, but she also acted. So wisdom in and of itself often, you know, isn't something that his action is often included as we act wisely. So she took action, and this stopped a lot of innocent bloodshed. Except for her um, intervention, Nabal and his household would surely have been uh, killed she stood in the gap to protect both parties. In verse 35, David accepts the provisions from Abigail and instructs her to go home in peace. There is nothing to fear. And so David heeds her words and her requests. Then we have in verses 36 to 38 we have Nabal's death. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. So upon arriving uh, home, Abigail went to Nabal to speak to him concerning her actions and David's intent, but she didn't do it right away, according to scripture. She waited till after he was sober. Um, So what, what do you think Nabal died from? It said his heart died within him. So people think probably a heart attack or a stroke of some sort. So I think it was all part of God's doings. Verse 38, I think, helps put Nabal's death in perspective. Verse 38 says this. And it came to pass about 10 days after the Lord smote Nabal that he died. Um, God strikes The health of this man and takes his life the failure of nabal isn't just rudeness and hoarding it's his insulting and dismissing the servants of david who is god's anointed king the next king of israel so then we have abigail's future in verses 39 to 42 And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. So that's a little different than what we do today, probably this all happened pretty quick. Um, So news of Nabal's death stimulates David. Uh, to again offer praise and thanksgiving for God's intervention. So he wastes no time, and David make, begins the negotiations with uh, Abigail to become his wife, and I think with the culture, they, he would send a mediator to talk to Abigail and uh, ask, ask for him. And she does so, she accepts the request with great humility, her bowing and offering to wash her servants' Shows her true uh, character in verse forty-one. It also shows her willingness to become David's wife. And then Abigail doesn't delay in going to uh, David. Uh, there, I don't think they had a long delay of putting household things in order or whatever. With, with her five maids, I think in verse forty-two it says she immediately went and she arose and bowed herself and uh, oh yeah and hasted and arose and rode and went with her five damsels and messengers to david to become his wife so this all happened pretty quick like i said not like we used to today it seems like it's an old testament thing <laughs> any thoughts so far Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts? And any more thoughts on that, John? Uh huh. Uh huh. The Lord will fight our battles, right? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a good thought, Glenn, appreciate that, there's probably a series of events, or many times before this, where she would have done the right thing for her husband, and this is the one that's recorded. Right. Well, a brief glimpse into Abigail's life speaks so loudly, and as to the what impact a wise woman or a wise person can have. Um, she protected both her current husband and the man who would later become her husband. Abigail sees the information given, understood what needed to be done, and then did it. Again, I think of the verse in Proverbs 15:1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So what will we do? Will we, when we respond to situations in our life that are kind of, have some negative negativity to them, do we respond to it pleasantly or bitterly? Will we be gentle or will we cause more bitterness and anger? A soft answer is not a weak one. Often the most powerful response given is in the mildest tone someone had said. Some things that, some of the action words that I thought were kind of interesting in closing, um, she went. She went, and then also um, she prepared. She prepared the meal, and prepared the food, and she spoke. So those are some things that we can do when, as when we, like, When we interact with people or when we see a need, when we see maybe a a brother in need or a sister or someone in need, we need to go. And then we need to prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves maybe not with food, but prepare ourselves with prayer and, and intercession. And then we also need to speak, speak life. She speaks with humility and that's also a challenge for us as well. So thanks for your input. I think that's all I have.